Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Daniel Halverson from Bank of England. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, man. It seems like I'm always uh, following a rock star, Barry Habib and now Damon West. So. Yeah, yeah. Those are tough acts to follow. And, uh, you know, for our audience today, it's going to be a little little shift in uh, what we would talk about. Normally, Daniel joins us for the lending update. But today, you know, we've had a lot of feedback online, our social media, and then uh, and some of the other topics that we've talked about. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of this credit card debt in the consumer uh, debt index that comes out. And inside of that uh, is some information about credit cards that we're starting to see some trends on. And Daniel, you deal a lot on the consumer side on the retail front. And, you know, your team and get to see a lot of different credit reports. And one of the trends that we're seeing right now is some growth in the actual revolving debt, which is credit card debt right now. And, you know, it was funny, we were having this conversation on another podcast. And one of our guests and our producers said, you know, this is stuff that they need to be talking about in high school. Like this is the stuff students should be learning before it actually gets to their doorstep. And then next thing you know, it's too late. And so uh, it kind of posed the question like, hey, well, who's, who's sharing this information with, with, their, with their family and their kids? And are the people sharing it? Do they know? And so I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not saying they do. But I'm saying that there's some staggering data that's out there right now. And there's some trends that are worth talking about and discussing that are just, you know, they're a little eye-opening. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. You know, our goal today is to kind of explain the good and bad of credit cards. And when we say credit cards, in the credit world, it's referred to as revolving debt. Uh, Daniel, you want to take a minute, just kind of explain the difference between revolving debt and term debt or what we call closed-end debt? Well, so term debt, there's a, a specified uh, number of months when that debt is is paid, and it's paid in equal installments generally over the the life of that term. So if you get yep. a if you get a car loan, it's a five year car loan, you're going to pay sixty months worth of payments, and you know what, exactly what the payment is. Revolving debt, essentially, uh, you're not required to pay that debt off in a specific time frame, so it's completely open end. Um, so the payment uh, at that point is going to be dictated by interest rates at that time uh, and your balance. So if your balance continues to increase or your interest rate continues to increase, you know, there are situations where you could actually be making a payment, uh, a minimum payment on a credit card and the balance is increasing each month. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. That's, uh, that's one of the most staggering things that I think get overlooked on credit cards, but keep going. Well, so that, you know, that's the that's the big difference. And certainly on our side in the mortgage world, we see uh, credit card information on a daily basis. So we can, you know, we can kind of see the trends. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously second to the, the credit card companies out there, but we can certainly see the trend of, of more and more money being on credit cards when consumers yeah. come and apply for loans. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, it's, it's interesting when you look at kind of how we got here over the last two years to where we are now, where we're, I think the number was nine hundred and twenty-five billion in credit card debt, which is with a with a B with a B yeah. with a B and a lot of zeros, and that was two billion off of the highest that it's ever been. Yeah, and let me interject. So the number that you're reading is the November reading, and for our audience, we won't get December's numbers until later on next month. Now, what's interesting about that is we all know the December spending sprees that happen and the must-haves during Christmas. You can bet as we're having this conversation right now, we are well over the national record, which is 927. We're well over that. So for setting the stage at this point in time, we're probably somewhere in that 935, maybe 950 in, in credit card debt right now in America. So just kind of keep that in mind as you're going. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, when the December reading comes out, if we have eclipsed the highest that's ever been. But it's kind of an, it's an interesting dynamic when you look at um, COVID happens, March of 2020, the economy is kind of on lockdown. 
and you've got two things going on. One, people can't go out and spend money because there's nothing open. And then you've got stimulus money coming in uh, from the government, and you've got multiple rounds of stimulus. So 2020 happens, savings rates go through the roof over 30%. Um, National high, by the way. For reference, they, uh, the, the current savings rate is uh, 2.4%, which for context is about a third of what it was in 2019 pre-COVID. It's about a third of what, it, what the, the, the historical average is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got this interest, interesting dynamic where you know, savings rate goes through the roof, credit card, you know, people are paying down their debt because uh, they don't really have anywhere to go. And then uh, this dynamic happens where economy reopens, people are making up for lost time, you could probably argue, and, and spending a lot of money. And um, that continues. And then now you've got inflation and you've got the Fed's increasing interest rates from zero to four and a half percent on the federal funds rate. So now things, you know, inflation's happening, uh, things are becoming more expensive. And uh, at the same time, the interest rates on the debt is becoming more expensive. But I would argue over the course of the last year and a half, people have have changed their lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. And every economy is different, but, you know, you go out tonight, we're recording on a Friday, you go out tonight to a restaurant uh, in, a, in, a, in a desirable area <laughs> and the whole restaurant will probably be packed and they'll probably be on a wait. Right. So, you know. Don't so tell th- them there's inflation. <laughs> so I think spending habits have changed. Right. Which is reflected by now we're seeing credit card debt eclipsing the highest it's been and the savings rate, obviously very low. Um, so I just think it's kind of an interesting dynamic of looking at where we, yeah. how we got to this point. And yeah. So let's unpack a lot of what you just said there, because there's some behavioral economics that's taking place um, uh, in that particular description you just used there. And what I mean by that is, so we have inflation. We, we're all inflation experts at this point. We've heard enough about it in the news. Lord knows we've talked about it over and over again on this podcast. And then you've got the Federal Reserve, which we're all experts in as well, because we've talked about that over and over again. And again, the news talks about it over and over again. But the reality is when the Federal Reserve does raise their short-term interest rates, the very first segment that fills that, I mean, within hours of them doing it, we're not even talking weeks or months, with hours is the credit cards. Credit cards will raise their rates because no consumer has a fixed rate on a credit card for the duration of the credit card. They may have an introductory rate, but it is a variable base rate based on short-term interest rates. So as the Federal Reserve raises that, you can guarantee your credit card interest rates are going to go up immediately. So that's number one. Number two is when we talk about inflation. The purest definition of inflation is more dollars being created in the financial system than what's accounted for or or what's supposed to be there, if you may. So one of the things that gets lost in that is as new credit card debt is issued and as new credit card debt is used, you're creating new dollars in the financial system through loans. That is adding to the inflationary problem that we currently have right now. It's not the source of it. It's just adding to it and compounding it. Same thing when you issue a refinance. It's adding to it and it's compounding it. So we have those happening in the background. And then we have this behavioral psychology that you're referring to, which is, hey, I got all this money during covid I saved it, and now I want to spend it. I want to actually go take vacations with it. I'm tired of sitting down. I've been lost two years of my life. I want to go do something. So that that's what they're doing. They're, that's what people are doing. It's not any person in particular, society as a whole. It's what's happening. And then add to that, once you've kind of filled those desires, there's still behavioral habits, which happen to be, well, I enjoy eating dinner out. I enjoy going down to the local tavern. I enjoy, you know, going out at will when I want to and buying what I want to. And I got used to buying habits online as well. And so what we're seeing right now is that that $920 plus billion that's out there, 53% of Americans are not paying their debt off each month. 
And here's where the problem starts. And, you know, you can, you can argue with this if you want, but the reality is this. It doesn't matter if you have $1,000 in credit card debt or $100,000 in credit card debt. If you're not paying it off monthly, you're in debt. That's the purest definition of that. And so inside of that 53%, what we also know is that the average rate on these credit cards right now is 19.6. That means we got some that are higher and we got some that are lower, but 19.6 is where the, is where the average lies. That's awful. That's awful. And, you know, it's interesting when we go through this here, you mentioned something about the personal savings rate. You know, during COVID, it got up to almost 34%. Now, that's relevant because, to your point, people couldn't spend money. But we went from, in a matter of two years, we went from 34% to 2.4%. So let's set the stage. We've got the highest interest rate on record, on record for credit cards over the course of the last 20 years. We've got the lowest savings rate in America in the last, some are going to argue, 40 years. Those two things don't go well together. And then we got continued spending happening. And so as consumers are starting to do that, the behavioral side of things start to play in and you go, listen, the wants and desires are not matching the needs of, of the financial equation. And so the problem starts to become, what, how does that, what, what does that lead to next? And I believe Jamie Dimon, who is the president of Chase, who probably has more credit card data than anyone else in the United States, is on record saying we have a hurricane brewing in the consumer credit markets right in front of us right now. And, you know, when you hear a powerhouse like Jamie Dimon say that, that makes you think that one of two things is going to happen in that market. Either the credit cards are going to wake up, the credit card vendors are going to wake up, and they're going to cut the credit card limits off. That's going to be, a, that could be a problem. Or we're going to have a lot of defaults, a lot of defaults in the credit market. And the reason I say a lot of defaults in the credit market is because there's no recourse for a credit card company. You know, if you buy, you know, these microphones and these cameras that we're using today, if I default on this, the credit card company can't take this stuff away from me. I still got it. And so there right, is right. a mindset that, you know, run them up while you can. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually heard people say that before, run them up while you can. And, you know, the reality is, and that was back in, you know, six and seven, but it's still reality that that's true today. And so there, there is a little bit of a, of, a, of a storm brewing there. But credit cards can also be very beneficial. So for the 47% of Americans that are paying them off, they're actually getting an interest-free loan with some benefits for anywhere from four to six months or four to six weeks, excuse me, four to six weeks, because what they're doing is they're buying something. Let's go back to this example, these microphones and these cameras, buy it, and then you get the benefits of rewards or mileage, cash back, whatever it may be, and then you pay it off when the bill comes in. And that's traditionally what you would see with credit cards. But I say this when I'm talking to my kids about credit cards. Credit cards also have this, um, they have this uh, disguise like a casino. Those weren't built so everyone can win, right? <laughs> they weren't built on everyone's winnings. Correct. They were built yep. on everyone's losses. These credit card, you know, huge machines, they didn't become profitable and they didn't become what they are today because everybody takes it as an interest-free loan for four to six weeks. Correct. You know, and one, going back to your, your previous point about the, the storm brewing, you know, and I saw something in, you know, in 2008, credit card debt was $866 billion. Mm -hmm. 2013, it was $660 billion. Right. So it decreased considerably, but uh, without, without you know, firm, firm data here, I would probably presume that during the Great Recession, people didn't eliminate a fourth of their debt by paying their bills. <laughs> and so I think that you've got, you've got a lot of maybe people that strategically filed uh, a Chapter 7 bankruptcy Mm -hmm. You may also have uh, credit card companies that just, you know, charged off those accounts and counted those as a total loss. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think it's an interesting, you know, if, if you're trying to look at the past to project the future. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because your immediate thought is, well, we're going through what they've labeled as the Great Recession, and we're seeing a 25% decline in credit card debt. But I don't think that from having lived through it and, and seen uh, from a lending standpoint, you know, you get to see that side of it, obviously, uh, with with things that are on people's credit from from past blemishes. And I would say that a lot of that was uh, not necessarily paid as much as it was forgiven. Right. And so something I want to talk about is, you know, if you're a person that does have credit card debt, that doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you have credit card debt. By the way, the majority of America does. Welcome to the club is what they would say, right? But there's a way to handle that in a manner that I think you can attack that and you can get out of that rather quickly. And so if you have multiple credit cards, the suggestion that I would make is take the one with the smallest balance and pay it off as fast as possible. And then once you're done with that, apply what you've been playing, excuse me, paying on that small card and now apply it to the next smallest card with what you've been paying and do this cycle until you can pay these cards off and get out of that credit card debt. There's no point in trying to pay, um, if your minimum payment on a credit card's $50 and you turn around and you say, I'm going to pay $100, you did nothing to that credit card. That, that literally did nothing. And the mindset is you feel good because the behavioral psychology says I paid more than I owed. But the reality is you did nothing to pay that card down because the interest is a daily compounding interest on that balance. Uh, yes, you have an APR on there, an APY as they call it. You actually have an APR. The APY is what the um, daily periodic balance or daily periodic rate compounding is. But the reality is if you have a 19.6 interest rate, by the time the daily periodic rate's compounding, you're over the 20s in that. And you're not going to get away with paying debt down by just doubling the minimum payment. So that's why we suggest pay the first one off the smallest one as quick as possible, and then pay minimum payments on the other accounts. And then whatever you were paying to pay that down, now apply that to the next card until you get them paid down. You could also look at, you know, there are companies, maybe not anymore, but there there were companies that would offer, you know, like a 12-month, 0% interest on a credit card. Some Something to consider is can you do a, you know, balance transfer Good point. to a 0% card and, try to pay that down before you, term. before you get yeah. down to that point. So, and, and unfortunately, as interest rates go up and debt increases, you know, the likelihood of being able to find products like that is is well, is not as great as- Funny you say that. They do exist. And we got a couple of them here that we, you know, that we saw on a chart. There are some that are out there, you know, depending on what your credit, what your profile is, you can do it. But I will say this, you better pay it off in that 12-month cycle. Otherwise, you're going to get the interest rate and it's going to be basically recaptured over the 12 months. They're going to put it all on there. Even if you only had a dollar remaining in the payment, and let's say you balance transfer $10,000, you're going to pay the full interest on the $10,000 if there's a dollar left. That's part of that 0% 12-month agreement. It's retroactive all the way to the original balance you balance transferred. So be very careful if you're doing that. Maybe you want to try to pay it off in 11 months so that you don't kind of mix that up. Interesting. You know, I think the other thing, just to explain you know, a daily periodic rate, essentially – the way that's, that that's calculated is they take the interest rate uh, on the card and they, they multiply the interest rate by the balance each day. And they total that up each day, and that's the interest that you pay at the end of the month. So the way that that's calculated, I think, is it's kind of eye-opening if you have credit cards could, because you don't necessarily probably stop to think how that's calculated. But to think that every single day, whatever your balance is at the end of the day, they, they take that and, and it, it accrues interest at the interest rate and then they add all that up and that's what your total interest for the month is. I mean, that's a pretty... All I heard was uh, each day about yeah, five times. Yeah, that's a, it's just an eye-opening definition and something that I think that if you're a consumer, understanding that maybe makes you a little more reluctant to keep 
debt on your credit card if you can help it. If you can help it, that's absolutely right. Because when you see this number at the bottom of your statement, and they have to publish it, it's usually at the bottom of the statement or it's lumped in right under the actual terms and conditions. It's a long number. And I'm not saying it's uh, it, it's down the decimal goes way out as far as what they do, but it's daily periodic compounding is, you know, we talk about compounding interest all the time and the power of it. Well, think about when the compounding interest is working against you and the power of that. It's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's not powerful, but it's powerful for the credit card companies. And it's kind of scary when you think about it. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Um, there's another way to kind of maybe get out of the credit card debt. If you're a homeowner and you have equity in your home, you know, something to consider right now, and this is not a sales pitch. I know, Daniel, you work at a lending institution, but this is just something that's really smart economically to think about, that if you're yielding some of these high-end credit cards or you're unaware, step one, if you're unaware of what your credit card interest rate is, get your statement or go online, look it up. You're probably going to be shocked right now. Regardless of what your credit score is, I'm going to point out a couple things about credit card interest rates right now at the major competitors in the market of what's out there, but find out what it is. Even if your home has a three and a half percent interest rate, if you're able to get into the market at five and a half or five, eight, seven, five, and you have thousands of dollars in credit card debt, it might be worth a conversation with a mortgage professional to see how much money you can save and what your savings is on the monthly interest, or excuse me, the, the lifetime interest of that credit card. I want to point out a statistic that we actually calculated. If you had a $3,900 credit card and it was at today's interest rate of 19.6 and you made the minimum payment, do you know how many years it would take you to pay that off at the minimum payment, Daniel? Tell me. It's 39 years wow. and three months. Wow. 30, so here's the thing, 39 years and three months at 19.6 on a 3,900. Now, 3,900, you know, I'm not saying everyone could stroke a check and pay that off, but I just wanted to paint that picture of a minimum payment at $3,900 and why that would take so long at this interest rate to pay off. It's a game you're not supposed to win. So at some capacity, if you don't have the money to stroke the check to pay that off, refinancing it and taking advantage also of the tax deduction you'll get now is much greater than continuing to fight a battle for 39 years on a credit card. Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, you know, obviously, interest rates on mortgages are, are if you go to apply today, probably going to be higher than what you've got, realistically. But if you are working with, you know, a mortgage advisor that that can actually enter your credit card uh, balance and your interest rate into their, their software and run a, an analysis to show you how much interest you're going to pay over the, the amount of time it's going to take you to pay that off based on what you're paying, they can compare that against the interest rate on the mortgage, and you might be shocked to see how much interest you might actually be saving, even jumping from three and a half to six. Yeah. Um, so, so understanding that, I think that it's something that in the right situation could be a great option. The other thing is, if that's not a route you want to consider, if you have a home equity loan, um, you know, even if that interest rate's 
eight, nine, 10%, um, you know, you could look at, well, is that a lower interest rate than what I'm paying on these credit cards? Maybe that's another solution for you. So, uh, you know, a mortgage can certainly be a great vehicle for trying to help alleviate some of that debt. Sure. Um, but I think most people see, okay, well, I only owe 10000 or 15000 on a credit yeah. card, and I've got a $300,000 mortgage at 3.5%. Why would I trade that in for 6%? And, you know, in some cases, maybe it doesn't make sense, but I think that until you have somebody actually analyze those numbers for you, you might be shocked at how much interest you're going to pay on that credit card debt over the course of however long it's going to take you to, to, to pay it off. Well, you know, even on that $10,000 mark, you know, if you turn around, you were paying $500 a month or even $1,000 a month on that, you're not going to pay it off in 12 months. You're probably not going to pay it off in 18 months. You're at least looking at a term on that of 24 plus months. And the reason that happens is because the amount of interest on these credit cards is absurd. I'll just run through. This is an article from Forbes Advisors that was written on January 8th for what was considered to be the best credit cards of 2023 to open the year. I mean, listen to this. You know, you're looking at Wells Fargo, 19.24%. You're looking at Chase Freedom Flex, 27.99, Capital One Venture X Credit Card, 21.24, Chase Sapphire, 20.24, uh, Chase Sapphire Reserve, 21.24 to 28.24, American Express, 19.6. You're looking at United Club Infinite Card, I mean, 20.7. You get the point. None of these are saying below 10%. Yeah, I didn't hear any 4%. You didn't hear any fours or three and a halves <laughs> on there, right? And I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, and as, I, as I look at this, this link will be in our show notes too. There's not, and by the way, all these are saying 700 credit score to 740. So good to excellence what they're rating it. So that was why there's a range. The good was getting, the excellent was getting lower. The good was getting the higher. I mean, the reality to this is that these aren't pretty interest rates and they all match the average interest rate that we just heard of 19.6 or higher. And so um, I guess what I was, where I'm going with that is it's not getting better on that side of the table. And it's something that if you don't have a plan to tackle the credit card debt that you have there, or if maybe you've been paying them off just because that's what you were taught to do, but you don't understand the ins and outs of it. That was the goal with what we're talking about today is to kind of empower you to understand that. So you can share that with people in your life about what's going on with these credit cards and, and basically how to, how to not let it make you a victim in this market of what's going on there. And, and just to say, you know, the pros of a credit card, yeah. um, I think that there's really, I mean, there's three, there's three things with credit cards. The, the least important is, you know, if you have a credit card, you pay it in full every month and you get these rewards, you know, airline points, perks for hotels, cash back. I mean, obviously that's a benefit to having a credit card. Uh, you know, a savvy credit card owner is going to pay their bill every single month in full, take advantage of the rewards and not have to pay the interest. They're going to look at it as a free loan for four to six weeks. Correct. You know, and then two, you have to have credit in some capacity to be, uh, to be able to get loans. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have credit history at all, it's tough to get credit from a mortgage company or, you know, commercial loans or business loans or other right. places where you would, you would seek financing. So having a credit card is generally a good place to start building a credit history. So it has value from that standpoint. And what balance do you recommend? Like if I, I hear this all the time and I'm glad you brought this up. If you're trying to obtain credit, there's a way that you can do that to maximize your score with a credit card. And usually it's to retain the balance at a certain limit to the maximum. Yeah, 30% 30, 30 of the balance is generally going to get you the most benefit by way of your, your credit so score. So if my credit limit's $10,000, you're saying keeping that balance at $3,000, even if I'm paying it off per month, just keeping it at 3000 or below 
is going to help me maximize my credit score versus kind of going over that number. Correct. And one thing people really don't realize is let's say you have a credit card with a $10,000 balance and you charge $10,000 every month and you pay it in full. Your credit score actually is probably going to be impacted significantly in a bad way right? because each month your credit card is maxed out. So the credit the, the credit bureaus are going to see a snapshot in time every month and say, well, this person's maxed out every yeah. single month. And it's an algorithm. It's a formula. So you'd be surprised how many people come to us and say, uh, I'm just, I don't know why my credit's not higher. And one of the big things is we see the balance with respect to the limit and mm -hmm. they say, well, hey, I pay this off in full every month. But the reality is you run it up to the balance or to the limit every month. So it's kind of, you know, it's not something that you would think would be a problem. Sure. Uh, and that's, you know, not the same thing as, you know, some uh, American Express and some others have a basically a pay in full type credit card where every month you're expected to pay the full balance. That's a different thing than a credit card with a, a specific limit. But, you know, just understand that that 30% number is um, going to maximize your actual credit score by keeping it 30% or below your be your limit every month with respect yeah, to your Yeah, and balance. I think that's really important because a lot of people understand there's really, uh, there is an algorithm, but not all credit cards or not all creditors report to the credit report the same day. There's no requirement that says every mortgage company, every credit card has to report by the first, second, or third of the month. I mean, it's when they choose to report. It could be batching on the 10th. Batching means when they report all of their information to the credit report agencies, but it could be the 11th. It could be the 13th. Well, if your billing cycle happens to be on the 15th and you don't pay your bill to the 15th because that's when it's due or the 14th, but they report it on the 11th. Well, to your point, they're going to report a maxed credit card on the 11th and your credit score could be significantly impacted on the negative side because of that. Yeah, that's and, a great point. And it happens all the time. We see borrowers come in just baffled going, I pay that off monthly. I don't understand. And it's because of what we're describing. Now, a way to get around that is A, either not run it up, right? But sometimes you're in a case where it's a business card or something and you can't really get around that. But just pay it off before the billing cycle. So how do you do that? You call the creditor. You say, hey, listen, what day do you report to the credit agency? They'll know that. You won't have to go through 10 people to get to that. Person number one is going to know that. Great, no problem. You change and alter when you're going to pay that card based on that date, and your credit score will improve instantly from within 60 days of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the third thing, I said three reasons to have a credit card. The only the only other one I could possibly think of is in the case of an emergency, right? You have Ooh, an emergency. Yep. You need immediate access to capital that you don't have otherwise. Obviously, you know, a credit card could fill that void. That would be, you know, a last resort. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so those are the three That's things that, that I would say as far as reasons that you would use a credit card or how you could use it, you know, most so, responsibly. One thing I want to bring up, and I'd, I would hate if we missed this. Let's say you're a parent and you want to help your child establish credit. I think there's this notion of I'll put them on as an authorized user and that will help them establish credit or I'll get them their own credit card inside of my account. I know some credit card companies allow for X amount of cards per the account. You want to give your take and two thoughts on what you've experienced with that and, and what you've seen with customers in that unfold? Well, there certainly have been a lot of, you know, younger mortgage applicants that have come to us over the years that their credit is 800 and all they have is an authorized user <laughs> account that, you know, mom and dad's credit card. So, it, I mean, we've seen a significant benefit. Now, if you put your child on as an authorized user, understand that they can spend money on that. Right. So There's a trade-off. So uh, so just understand that you might need to double check the bill. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some positives there. The only negative becomes, you know, if you, um, if you have a situation like that and you are an authorized user and the payments are missed, well, now that's something that impacts, potentially impacts yep. your, your credit history. Um, so that's, you know, that's a consideration. There's um, pros and cons of that. But if you're, if you're mindful of that, I guess if I understand you correctly, if I put, let's say I have one of my children and I put them as an authorized user under the age of 18, 
on a credit card. By the time they turn 18, are they going to have a credit history for that authorized user report? Yeah, six months of credit history is generally all that's required before the bureaus start to report a score. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, we've seen people that are in their early 20s, one trade line, and it's an authorized user. And like I said, they've got better credit than the parents. So. Yeah. Uh, that's you know it's an algorithm, so there are certainly ways that you can you can benefit from that. But an, being an authorized user on an account is is if you want to help someone else uh, start to establish credit history. I mean that's probably the number one, the best thing you could do. So another benefit of having a credit card. There you go. So there's four four benefits. I lied. Now. There we go. No, that's okay. <laughs> we're learning here. So let's talk about this inside of all these crazy numbers that we're reporting. This 925, which we think is probably 950 billion dollars of credit card debt. You know what's not included in those numbers, which is staggering to me because we have no way of accounting for this, is the buy here, pay later stuff you see online, whether it's through like Karma or it's through, uh, yeah, I forgot some of the other things, but you can buy now, pay later. And some of those have three-month cycles, some have six-month cycles, but that's because that's not reported to credit and it's essentially a, a, a not, it's not even a credit-worthy type loan – we don't know how much of that exists out there. We know it's a lot, but we don't know the exact number. Well, and some of them do report a credit, but they report as unsecured loans. They don't report as revolving debt. So we might not be able to capture the full extent of those mm-hmm. those loans into, quote unquote, credit card debt. Right. Well, what's interesting to me is I always think of it like this. When the, when the buy now, pay later comes due, when it's pay now, how do you think they're going to pay for that? Well, that's accurate too, right? They're going to put it on a credit card, right? That's exactly what's <laughs> going to happen. Forgot to pay so later. The numbers are going to jump significantly as some of this stuff starts to come about over the next six months. So as we wrap up this podcast, a couple things I want to talk about here. You know, let's say you're someone that that is in credit card trouble. And by the way, that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a It, it happens to more people than you would know. And again, it's easy. Um, it's easy to get into that. It's hard to get out of it. But there's some things that you can do to help yourself along the way that I think oftentimes that, you know, I've seen you lend advice to people. And, uh, you know, early in my career, I had to do the same thing as well, which is, you know, we talked about how to pay the, the lowest balance off first, you know, and that's called the snowball effect, paying it off. And, and uh, I believe, you know, Dave Ramsey has a whole platform on that. Whether you like Dave Ramsey or not, it's a great platform for that particular topic that he does a good job with. But there's some other things you can do, like maybe stop spending on the card, call the credit card company. Have a real conversation with the credit card company about what's going on in your life. You would be surprised at what they would do to make that work for you. Because at the end of the day, they know that you don't have to pay them back. Like that's the obligation. But there's also you don't have – I mean you should, but you can default on that debt. They don't want you to do that. So – and it's not good for your credit to do that either. That's actually spiral. That's a spiraling down that's really bad. But if you call and worked with the creditor on that, you'd be surprised at what the actual reciprocation on the other line would be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, if you just don't pay something, you've, you're going to have late payments reporting for a long period of time. And then at some point, the credit card company is going to write off the debt. It's called a charge off. And that's going to sit on your credit report for a long, long time, years and years. So uh, so certainly not an option. But, you know, back to your, your point about just canceling the card um, so that you can't use it anymore. You know, you can liken that to... If you want to lose weight, you know, and you you know that if there's potato chips in the house, you're going to eat them. You don't buy them. You know, <laughs> right. it's kind of the same same concept. You know, if you right. know you're going to spend money on the credit card, just cancel the card. You don't have access to it, and then you know you start to make decisions based on uh, the fact that you don't have access to it. Right. So. You're going to have to change some behavioral aspects too. I mean, I know people that may be watching this and go, "It's really easy for you to say that." I mean, I, I can already hear the comments rolling in from some people. It's really easy to say that there because you know you're not experiencing what I'm going through. And and the reality is, you know, 
yeah, I've been there myself. I've gone through a lot. I mean, surviving five, six, seven, eight, nine, left a lot of, you know, financial scars. I can still look at my arm and see every single day. But the reality is you got to take a stand somewhere and say, okay, listen, I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't keep going down this cycle here. And the first step is maybe to change some of your spending habits on that and then start attacking those cards and paying them down. That's the first step. The last step is bankruptcy. That'd be the worst option you could come up with. I mean, obviously people have to do it every day, but that is a last, that's a, that's like the, nothing else can work. That's where you've got to go. By no means am I suggesting that. I'm just saying that's the last option that you would ever want to go to. But, you know, some people do have to turn to that. Well, and it's, it's a better long-term strategy than just not paying anything. Okay, you know, good point. Because that's going to sit on your credit. You know, bankruptcy, generally, two years after you complete that, you would be able to go out and get many types of loans, maybe sooner. Car loans, you might be able to get them sooner than that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a number of credit cards that you just let go into default and then, you know, let the creditor do as they choose with it. I mean, you could, seven, eight, nine, ten years, that could be something that shows up on your credit. And right. in the case of a lot of business loans, some of the things that fall off your credit report from a consumer credit report standpoint, they don't fall off. So that's something that could could follow you for a long, long time. Um, so that would be a, a, a last resort. Yeah. And, you know, just to circle back, obviously, we're not here to sell mortgage products, but the reality is a lot of people that maybe are finding themselves entering into a, some, some troublesome times with credit card mm-hmm. debt, they have a lot of equity in their home. And maybe it wouldn't be your first choice to refinance, to consolidate some of that debt. Or maybe you're just looking at the interest rate on your mortgage statement every month thinking there's no way this could be a smart move. But in light of what we just talked about with compounding interest, daily, daily periodic interest, uh, and how long you might actually be paying some of these credit cards, you might at least have somebody evaluate, hey, can I take uh, that credit card debt, roll it into a new mortgage at a higher interest rate, uh, and then get rid of that credit card debt? And hey, we've talked a lot about what we think is going to happen with mortgage rates over the course of the next right. 12 to 18 months. So. You do a debt consolidation refi, you know, it's six and a quarter, and maybe you're thinking, well, I didn't, I didn't like that, but maybe you do that, and then interest rates come down, and you're able to refinance that loan to five and five, five or five and a quarter, you know, or maybe lower. So, um, your mortgage is something that you have the ability to refinance and to, right. to modify in the future. So, if you use it as a vehicle to uh, improve your current financial standing, you're not married to that interest rate for the rest of your life. Whereas, if you're stuck in credit card debt. Um, you might be in in that predicament for a good period of time. Yeah, and I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you're looking at a, you're you're using your one of some people, most people's largest investment vehicle to actually benefit their financial situation. Hit the reset button to get realigned to where they need to be there and avoid all the things that we talked about here and not having to deal with any of those options and kind of start over and say, okay, now I've got everything set in line. My credit's vastly going to improve from that. I have a brand new start, fresh start outlook take on what I'm going to do here, and then turn out and make those credit cards work for you. You know, as we talked about earlier. In the show. So this is just something that came to us because the more we talk about this, the more people were saying, well, you guys should do a podcast on this. And uh, and again, if you like what you're hearing, please share uh, this right click, share on it, send text, subscribe at the top. We'd love to have your comments on here. I'm sure we're going to get them from this show. So Daniel, thanks again for being on the show. We appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, man. Excellent. Thanks. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. And when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah